0: Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of ancient highways. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling.
1: Paul. Yes. Been on any good uh, hikes lately this summer? Um, nothing to write home about. Nothing since our
0: amazing hike through the mountains around Nico? Well, I tried to take a hike up in Fergus Falls and we were in the weeds for... Mm, three minutes, and we all had ticks on us, and oh. the dog had like five hundred ticks on oh, her. No, we spent twenty minutes just picking all the ticks off. How can you ever even be sure that you got all the ticks off of a dog? Um, yeah, we found one or two more later. Yeah, yeah. ticks are
1: ticks are gross. Yeah. This was on your uh, cabin by the lake trip thing, right? Yep, yep. Mm, so that didn't turn
0: out so hot. You just turned around. Uh, we walked down the paved path a little bit after that, but it was like mm-hmm. baking hot and we were all buggy and we went back after 30 minutes or something.
1: Okay. Have you ever in
0: your life done a multi-day hike? Yes. Where? In some national park that I don't recall the name of in California. Right in the middle of California-ish. Okay. My brother sprained both of his ankles on the first day? No, this is coming back. I've heard this story. <laughs> so we found the nearest campsite and pitched up and Yeah, I mean, I had a good time, but <laughs> we went in the summer. It was really dry. It was hot. Everything was dead.
1: I got to say, Paul, you're not doing the greatest job of selling hiking right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's not the We didn't go to the right place at the right time of year. Okay. And don't go with my brother who has glass ankles. So
1: maybe you would have had a better time with a little more preparation, a little more research, a little more something like this podcast that we're just about to do right now.
0: Exactly. Okay. My brother flew out and he's like, let's go hiking. We were like, okay. And we went.
1: (laughs) That's as much thought as we had. Yeah, I've never done a multi-day hike, but it sounds like it would be really fun. Camping each night with your buddies under the stars. You're definitely into camping, so I feel like you would like a multi-day hike. I think I would. I always like the sound of the Appalachian Trail. That sounds really cool, but that's like real intense.
0: If you do the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about some of the best hiking trails in Japan. Japan's got
0: some great ones. Japan's a great place to hike. They got all those mountains. And the coastline. Yeah. Lots of amazing views on these hikes. All the
1: fog and the clouds in the like in the valleys between the mountains and everything just so much beautiful natural scenery right
0: yep there's still pieces of historical walking paths that have been used for centuries that still exist
1: Mm -hmm. there are a bunch of pilgrimages where you can walk past a bunch of temples and shrines in the woods just hidden all over the place back
0: there yeah we've done a couple great hikes in japan We haven't done any multi-day hikes, though. We've only done little pieces. Yeah.
1: Yeah, with these multi-day trails, I mean, you cover all sorts of terrain. So, like, as for the natural scenery, like you said, you're going to see a lot of the same types of things on these different hikes, the mountains, valleys, rivers, waterfalls, views of the sea. But the things that differentiate them are, you know, we've talked about how different parts of Japan have their distinct local cultures, the climate and foliage is going to change depending on what part of the country you're in. So each of these hikes has its own specific character.
0: Yeah. We picked 10 of the most famous, most awesome multi-day hikes you can do in Japan, and there's a wide variety of difficulties and scenery and vegetation to see on these hikes. Definitely. So hopefully something for everyone. Yeah. And if maybe you're
1: not interested in like doing a really long multi-day hike, there's still going to be stuff in this episode for you because a lot of these hikes can be broken up. I mean, you could just do a single day hike or even like a day trip from a certain city. You can just go out for an afternoon or something and come back.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You don't need to commit to like a month-long thing. But you could. You definitely could. Some of these will take you longer than a month. So yeah, with 10 of these to talk about, I think we're going to have to move kind of fast. I feel like some of these we could spend an entire episode on just for a single hike. Yeah. I mean, they all they all sound so cool, and they each have their unique things to offer. So maybe in the future we'll go into more depth on individual ones. But shall we just dive on in, Paul? Let's do it. So... Paul, we said we were going to kind of organize these by what part of the country they're in, right? Yeah. Going to start at the north end of Japan and move all the way down to the south end of Japan. So up north, that biggest main island up there is Hokkaido. And Hokkaido has got some really cool hiking, especially because it's so remote. Like the center of that island is just really
0: rugged. There's not a ton in there. Is it wrong if I say Hokkaido is like Japan's Alaska?
1: I think that is a valid comparison. You not 100%. Know, a yeah, I mean, they don't, you know, it's different. But in as much as the United States and Japan are
0: the same, I guess you could <laughs> say Alaska <laughs> and Hokkaido yeah. are similar. Thanks for humoring me, Jason. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so the biggest national park in Hokkaido is Daisetsuzan, and there is a very famous hike through there called the Daisetsuzan Grand Traverse. It's right in central Hokkaido, right on the mountain range. I
1: saw that this is one of the most challenging hikes in Japan.
0: Yeah, the entire trail is above 2,000 meters above sea level.
1: And since, as I mentioned, Hokkaido is not densely populated, especially in the middle of the island— You need to bring your own tents, you got to bring your own sleeping bags, food, like everything that you need to survive, you got to carry with you.
0: And carry back out with you.
1: Yeah. So you're hiking along the Daisetsuzan Mountain Range, which stretches all the way across that national park. The biggest national park in the country, by the way. Did you mention that? I think I said biggest in Hokkaido, but you're right. Biggest in Japan. And this hike is about 80 kilometers long. That's about 50 miles, and it takes eight days. And unlike a lot of the other ones we're going to be talking about, this is not a circuit. You're not just going in a loop. You're going from one end of the mountain range to the other. So you end up really far away from where you started. So you got to plan ahead and figure out how you're going to get out to the beginning of the trail and how you're going to get back from the end.
0: Yeah, there's a few campsites along the way, but... No amenities, just bare campsites, somewhere to pitch your tent, and that's all you get. I
1: thought I saw a video of some people in like a little wooden shack, maybe.
0: Like yeah, there are of, some refuge huts.
1: Yeah. A lot of these like mountain hikes have little huts. Like I know even on Mount Fuji, there are little huts that you can stay in for the night.
0: Yeah. And that's partly due to safety reasons because you're that far north up in the mountains weather can turn really quickly. Oh, yeah. And you would need to hide out to pass the storm.
1: Man, I saw some videos of people doing this hike where the wind was like the most intense wind I've ever seen in my life. The kind of wind where it will like knock you over if you're not kind of leaning into it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like your cheeks are kind of flopping
0: around because it's it's just That kind of wind on a mountain sounds not fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I saw a lot of rocky parts. Like you're so high up. You know that the the trees kind of go away, and then it's mostly just rock that you're climbing up. Uh, I saw videos of people hiking through dwarf pines. That was kind of interesting looking because I'd never really seen that. It's like pine trees, but they only come up to your waist, and they're just so thick that you're just kind of wading through them. That's really, really like, odd.
0: Weird, yeah. Yeah. I heard someone saying, "Give yourself at least an extra two days." To wait out bad weather. Oh, because you're not going to get just eight days of solid good weather to knock your hike out. Hmm. Even if you're going in summertime.
1: Pretty intense. Yeah. But it also looks amazing. Like the views that you get from the tops of these mountains, of course, they're going to be amazing. I saw like mountain lakes that you come across and you're so high up, like above the clouds. There are spots where, you know, you just look out and it's just a sea of clouds and you see little mountain peaks poking up. It's like, I don't know, just surreal, like another planet or something.
0: Yeah, it looks unbelievable. This hike in particular was popularized in the Japanese imagination by a poet named Keigetsu Omachi, who took the hike and then wrote poetry about it. And I do have one of his famous lines from one of his books he wrote in 1921. He said, climb Mount Fuji, and you'll speak of the height of the mountain. Climb Daisetsuzan, and you'll speak of the vastness of the mountains.
1: Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Would you, Jason? Would I do this hike? Yeah. I feel like you need to be a pretty experienced hiker to do this. I would do it in like 10 years after I've done a bunch of less intense hikes, multi-day hikes, so I can kind of work up to it, you know? Yeah. What do you think?
0: Nah. Never? Eight days, like, I'm not against discomfort and hardship, but eight days of hiking through a mountain, carrying all my own supplies, like, nah, I'd rather, like, go lay on a beach somewhere. I don't know.
1: I like challenging myself. And I feel like this would be a real challenge. I wonder just how much training, though, it would take to do something like this. Because, like, I've never really carried this really heavy pack with me either while I'm hiking. Yeah. Do you need to train for, like, a
0: marathon to be able to do this kind of thing? Not quite, but you definitely need to be ready for it. And the altitude, too. Yeah. you're not used to that, it's going to get you.
1: I've never really had a problem with, like, altitude sickness before, but... I have. I would definitely, I would want to try a few days at a slightly lower elevation hiking just to, you know, just to make sure I'm not just going to go out there and die.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. But you'd do it if you were prepared. Yes. Yeah, I'd go vacation somewhere else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hike number two, Jason. Hike number two is called the Michinoku Coastal Trail. This hike was actually established pretty recently, in 2019, and it was established to reinvigorate tourism in the northeast Tohoku region. This is that region of Japan that was impacted by the 2011 earthquake and tsunami. A ton of towns were destroyed around there, and so this hike is kind of a way to bring tourism back and get people passing through these towns and seeing the beauty and the amazing local culture around there. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a 1,000-kilometer-long trail. That's about 620 miles, by the way. I did the conversions for all of these. Oh, thank you. I was just going to go with kilometers. I don't know what a 1,000 kilometers is, but I have a slightly better idea of what 620 miles is like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd agree with that. Anyways, 1,000-kilometer-long trail, It goes from Hachinohe City in Aomori Prefecture all the way down to Soma City in Fukushima Prefecture.
1: So you're going like kind of all the way through Tohoku along the coast
0: there. Yeah, a huge part of the coast. It's broken down into 28 smaller sections that all only take a day or two to complete. And it's supposed to take about 50 days if you want to complete the entire trail.
1: Yep. As for accommodation, you can either camp or since you're passing through all these towns along the coast, there are hotels and guest houses that you could stay in too.
0: That part of the coast is very famous for being beautiful too. I remember researching about that region and they had uh, all these best sightseeing places in Japan on the coast where you could see all these pine tree covered islands and things. Mm -hmm. And with all those little sections, you can kind of pick which area you want to see too. You can just, oh, I'm going to hike these five sections if you want to see the rugged pine coast. But there's other parts further south that you get to see more wilderness and animals if you want to hike down there.
1: Right. There's so many different types of shoreline. I mean, because the trail covers such a long distance. I saw some like really steep cliffs, really rocky kind of coastline, but then there are also beaches. I saw a ton of amazing rock formations out there. And there are even parts where you can take a boat out into the water and get a view of the rock formations from the water.
0: That'd be amazing.
1: Yeah. In my brief time on the Tohoku coast, I do remember seeing like a bunch of little islands out there. And just, just like, I don't know what it is about that part of Japan, but there is kind of a lot of just interesting looking coastline. It's not just like open sea. There's kind of a lot of stuff scattered around out there. So like we said, you're passing through a bunch of cities, so a fair chunk of this hike is on roads, but there are also more rural parts with a lot more wildlife, and there are a bunch of onsen along the way. Yep. A lot of these hikes have onsen, which is just makes any hike so much more enjoyable when you can rest your feet or rest your whole body in a hot bath each night. Oh, yeah. What did you see for difficulty
0: for this one, Paul? Some spots that were moderate where it gets a little steep but mostly not too bad it's kind of the length that's more of the difficulty at most of it
1: right i saw in some of the more rugged spots there are a lot of ups and downs but also a lot of stairs even in kind of more rural areas like just wooden stairs like in the in the woods and stuff i guess we sort of came across that in nico a little bit too in the mountains just little small sections of stairs yeah we did Yeah, so be ready to climb a little bit, but I'd say intermediate probably is where this one lands. Agreed. I'd do this
0: one because I can stay in a hotel every night.
1: Yeah, this one sounds nice. Get a little
0: more uh, civilization, a little more access to vending machines and whatnot. Yeah, I can have the comforts of sleeping in civilization and eating there, and then going out into the rugged wilderness for the day. But then I'm back for my adventure before the night. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So we started up in Hokkaido. That last hike was in northeast Honshu, the big main island of Japan. So what's the next hike? Where are we going next, Paul?
0: Well, the next one goes kind of all over central Honshu. We're going to talk about the Basho Wayfarer's Journey, which is a hike that follows the footsteps of a Japanese haiku master, Matsuo Basho, who lived in the 17th century. And looking for inspiration for his writings, he went out on a hike that ended up taking him out for six months.
1: Was that why he went for inspiration? Because what I read is he just kind of decided he'd had enough of his old life at some point. And he just decided, I'm just going to go off into the wild and I'll probably never come back. That's what I
0: read. Okay. I, I read inspiration. Maybe he definitely used it as inspiration later on. Right, right. His uh, original motives maybe remain unclear. Maybe.
1: The story that I saw that I like is that he was just like, you know what? I'm done with all this crap. I'm going out into the wilderness. But then he's like, nature is so beautiful. I need to go back and write some poetry and stuff about this. That sounds nice. The beauty of nature reinvigorated and inspired him. And then he wrote a bunch of poems later. And some of those poems, by the way, can be found in his book called Narrow Road to the Deep North.
0: Yeah. And that book is translated into English. So you can go walk this route and read the poems that he was writing on the specific areas that you're currently hiking. That would be really cool. That sounds really fun.
1: Aren't there even parts where some of his poems are like posted, like carved into rocks or something? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So you said he was gone for six months, right? Yeah. Did you say how, lo- how far he hiked? I did not. 2,500 kilometers. Oh, man. That's 1,550 miles. That's like more than halfway across the United States, right? How far is it from one end of the U.S. to the other? A few thousand?
0: I think it's like 2,000 from here to L.A. And we're in the Midwest, so it's... Yeah, I mean, anyway, it's not quite a straight line, but anyways.
1: It's a long way is, is the point I'm trying to make.
0: Yeah, that's a super long way. He started in Tokyo, walked up north past Niko, and then as far as Matsushima. That's up by Sendai. Yeah. And then he went back down along the western coast to Kanazawa and ended up down in Gifu Prefecture. If you don't want to spend six months following his footsteps... The northernmost section is where a lot of people seem to pick up the trail these days.
1: Okay, I saw that, yeah, you can take trains between a bunch of different points if you want to do a shorter hike. You can kind of pick as long of a section as you want. Yeah. So with all of that distance that you could cover, you're going to see all sorts of terrain, right? You can see mountains, rivers, streams, forests, pretty much everything that central Japan has to offer. Like you're going to get a taste of all that stuff. Yep. And since you're passing through a bunch of towns, accommodation looked like it was
0: pretty easy to find. Yeah. I was unclear if that was for the entire place, but it seemed like it crossed through a lot of developed areas. Yeah. Did you read any of Basho's poems?
1: No. You got anything?
0: I just saw one that I saw in English. It was with awe that I beheld fresh leaves, green leaves, bright in the sun.
1: I like it. Sounds like hiking. Paints a picture.
0: Yeah. Nice.
1: Did you see anything about the difficulty of that one? Intermediate? That's what I saw. Again, there are some steep parts, but it's mostly pretty easy. The biggest obstacle is just the extreme distance if you plan to do the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Or even a big chunk of it. I mean, even even just like a quarter of it is still pretty freaking long. Right? Hiking for six months straight is insane. Yeah. You'd I'd love to, to do that though. In great shape. Man, I would really, actually, you know, as a tourist, you wouldn't even be able to do the whole six months at once. You'd have to leave the country halfway <laughs> through and come <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> what about time of year? When's the best time to do this? Fall. You get to see some nice colors. Definitely. Fall is a great time. Spring is also a good time. You see the cherry blossoms. I think that's going to be the case for a lot of these hikes spring for the cherry blossoms, fall for the colors, and then you miss the extreme cold in the mountains in the winter and the extreme heat in the summer. Yeah. So, Paul, this next one, I know you've talked about this a bit as something you would be interested in doing. Yeah, and this absolutely. one's right around the Tokyo area, right? So easily accessible for
0: people staying in Tokyo. Without knowing it, I think we were even talking about doing a section of this with one of our days in Tokyo a few months back.
1: You're talking about the hike to Mount Takao.
0: Yeah, yeah, Mount Takao is a part of this trail. The Kanto Fureai Nomichi. Also known as the Friendship Trail. It's a nice name.
1: Yeah. It's a huge trail. It encircles the Kanto region. With a total of about 1,800 kilometers of trails. That's about 1,120 miles. And it's divided into 160 sections. So that would take a while if you wanted to do all of that. Yeah. But if you want a more manageable chunk, there are seven of those sections right around the Tokyo area. Each section can be done as a day trip from Tokyo. Or if you want to string those all together, then you got... A week-long hike.
0: Yeah, and these all seem like really cool trails. You get a lot of different experiences. All of these are between about 8 and 20 kilometers. But did you see the names of these trails? No? uh, no
1: Names? Why, is there something special about the names?
0: Yeah, they all have a really cool name. Tell me. So there's the Lake Trail, the Bird Trail, the Fuji Trail... The History Trail, the Waterfall and Stalactite Cave Trail, the Shade of Cedars Trail, and the Mountain Grass Trail.
1: Those do all sound cool. Yeah. And I like that just from the names, you get an idea of what kind of stuff you're going to see. Yeah. And you get to pick ones that really suit you. Yeah. Awesome. So in total, if you wanted to do this whole week-long thing, it's about 75 kilometers or 46 miles. And this one is a loop. So it starts and ends at Ume Kidaira in Hachioji, which is just a little bit west of central Tokyo. You can get there by train. So yeah, you to see mountains. That mountain, Takao, is a big popular one. Mm-hmm. You get to go through some countryside. You get to see some cultural
0: heritage sites. Yep. Sounds pretty cool. It'd be so odd, like, just taking a train to a part of Tokyo and then just, like walking out into the wilderness for a week and then just walking back into the biggest city in the world?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, Hachioji is where I got my Ironheart jeans. Okay, so you know the way already. Yeah, it's like it feels like suburban, you know? Yeah. It's it's hard to imagine what part of it, like it must just be like an edge of it kind of, edge of meets, it just meets the forest. Meets, meets the, and the mountain go. or
0: something and the city just stops eventually. Yeah. And- it would be
1: interesting. Yeah. Did you see anything about accommodations?
0: There appear to be some places you can uh, rest at.
1: Uh, hotels. Yeah, I saw guest houses, ryokan, traditional Japanese inns, and some of the mountains have huts. So, you know, you'll probably want to plan out each night and know exactly what you're doing, where you're going to be. Maybe yeah. you need a little tent for, uh, well, no, not, not tents. Those huts should be good for the the really wildernessy parts, right?
0: Yeah, you could pack a lot of people into those huts to sleep. At you least see some pictures of the pictures of the hunts, huts. I saw some of the pictures of the ones in the mountains, and it was like bunk beds, but it was like continuous, and everyone's head was facing the hallway in the middle, and then their feet were facing outside. So, like every two feet, there was a person, yeah, sleeping. So you could, and then there was a second layer of that on each side. You could fit. Probably a couple hundred people and sleeping in this small little hut. hundred people? Maybe I'm exaggerated, but like you could pack them in there.
1: All right. Paul, did you hear about these official certificates and commemorative badges you can get? What? You get badges? Yeah. So if you complete all of the trials, like we said it was split up into sections, right? I guess each section is a trial. Yeah. If you do all of the trials in one specific prefecture, you get an official certificate that says you did that. So they actually have like official records of how many people have completed each prefecture and then how many people have done all of the prefectures together. Oh, wow. As of April 2016, 813 people had done all of the Tokyo trails. Okay. And 119 people had done all of the trails in all six prefectures. That's not many people.
0: Right. Wow. I mean, it is a long ways. What an accomplishment that you'd be like, I'm one of 119 people in the world that have done this. That would be pretty cool to be on that list. Is that like being like a Pokemon trainer? I collected all my badges. Sure. You can fill up your Pokedex with uh, pictures
1: because to prove that you did each section, there are specific photo spots along the trails that you need to get a picture at. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So that last hike was around the Tokyo area. Now, let's say we're heading from Tokyo down to Kyoto. There were a few main kind of highways that people took between those two cities hundreds of years ago. One of the main ones is our next hike, the Nakasendo. This was an inland trail. So there's the Tokaido along the coast, and then the Nakasendo is through central Honshu through the mountains and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. It's been used for hundreds of years. Samurai and Daimyo took this trail back in the Edo period. A lot of history there. It's really cool, like just being there and thinking about all the people that have been along this path over the centuries, you know? I thought that was really cool. Because Paul and I did this hike, if if that wasn't clear. Part of it anyway. Part of it,
0: yeah. Yeah. Thinking about we've probably walked on the same path that a number of Japanese most famous historical people have walked on before. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is. Like the exact path. Yeah, those stones are still there, nestled in the ground. Yeah, the post towns built up along the path are still there. So you're walking through the same towns even that these people walk through.
1: Yeah, it's so cool. So this trail is like relatively chill. It was reasonably easy to walk because... All sorts of people had to walk it all the time. So it's like, it's not intense, really. And you get to see a lot of different stuff. You get to see the countryside, mountains, streams, forests. And those post towns were all just little spots where people could rest for the night as they were traveling from Tokyo to Kyoto or vice versa. And so these post towns have been preserved to really feel like they would have hundreds of years ago. You're going to see... Traditional houses and inns, and it really makes you feel like you went back in time. Like, I, that's one of my favorite memories in Japan, was hiking that trail. It was just such a cool
0: atmosphere. Agreed. They do a really good job of hiding all the power lines underground and stuff like that. So you don't see any really modern infrastructure.
1: Yeah. Like, you walk up to a town and it's like everything's made of wood and there are little, uh, Farming plots on either side, and we saw some like rice drying in the sun. Yeah. And it's just the first really
0: cool little post town we walked through literally had a little canal with a water wheel spinning, Mm -hmm. like they were still making power with the water, you know? Yeah. It was so cool. So the entire Nakasendo is
1: 530 kilometers or 330 miles, and it takes about a month to do the whole thing. But of course, you can split it up. You can just do certain sections. Paul and I just did a day trip. And you can, you know, choose which section you want to do. We did one of the most popular ones, which is between Magome and Sumago. Very bite-sized little piece. And that little piece is inside one of the most popular, bigger sections of the trail, which is through the Kiso Valley. And from what I've seen, the entire Kiso Valley is just an incredibly beautiful place.
0: The Kiso Valley area of the trail is about 85 kilometers long and passes through 11 different post towns. So if you want to do that whole thing, that'd keep you busy for a little while.
1: Yeah, and you can stay in traditional guest houses in those little post towns, so you really get that that feel. You know, you can really pretend that you're living in the 1600s. Put on a ghetto. And a
0: kimono. Oh, Can you imagine <laughs>
1: hiking that whole thing in geta? <laughs> oh man,
0: happy brutal. It would
1: be bloody. <laughs> so I guess to give a little more detail on the section that we did, like it, it was really easy to do it in a single day. We were we started from Tokyo. We took a train down to Nagoya, right? Yep. And then from there, we took a train near Magome, and then had to take a taxi to get there. Finally, at the very end, but then. We hiked to Tsumago, and then we were able to just take a train back to Nagoya and then get back over
0: to Kyoto by the end of the day. Yeah, it wasn't too hard. Yep. Someone, I think, in Discord asked, what do you do if if you see a bear? Oh, yeah. Because there are signs here saying, watch out for bears. Right. And some hikers wear bells on them to jingle, jingle, make some noise to keep the bears away. But if you're not
1: wearing a bell, there are also stationary bells On parts of the trail. So when you see a bell, you just ring it and then hope that any bears nearby hear it and are like, oh, oh, that means I better walk the opposite direction from where that's coming from. Yep. Yep. If
0: you see a bear, don't run. Remain calm. Try to be big and uh, yell at it a little bit, but not too loud. And you don't want to yell at it if you're
1: really close to it. You don't want to startle it. Yeah. Yeah. Just make your presence known and they should stay away from you. Best time of year to do this hike is again spring or fall, because you want to avoid the rain, the heat, and snow. And of course, in spring you got the cherry blossoms. Fall you got the leaves. Yeah, we went in uh, early fall,
0: and it was gorgeous weather. Yeah, it was like perfect hiking weather.
1: Yep, definitely plan to take some time in those post towns, Paul. You said there's 69 of them, right? Yes. Did you say that? Mm-hmm. I
0: believe I I gave it up. If you did, I
1: said it again. Yeah, and if the numbers
0: conflict, sixty nine. Okay. Yes.
1: Yeah, the post nice. towns are all really cool. They're gonna have like little shops and stuff. A lot of them have like historical stuff, old houses that you can kind of explore or at
0: least look inside. I just remember the shelf out front of the one store that the cat was sleeping in, and
1: yeah, right next to those little
0: like conical. Straw hats. Yeah. The cat just kind of like looked like it belonged in this shelf. Like fit, it was fit for fit sale in. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, those post towns that we went through were super cool. But one that I still really want to visit that I haven't been to is Naraijuku, N A R A I. I've just seen so many pictures of this place. There's this one street going through it that is kind of up a hill and you see the mountains in the background and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. So, if you're going to do that, Stay in the post towns, spend a night in a ryokan, maybe find an onsen along the way. That'd be nice.
0: Next up, we got Kamikochi Yari Hotaka Circuit. Yep, this is a hike
1: through the northern Japanese Alps. It goes right along the border between Nagano and Gifu Prefectures. So you're going to see some amazing mountain views, cliffs, and valleys. And this is a pretty serious hike. You summit two mountains, Mount Yarigatake and Mount Okuhotakadake, which are both over 3,000
0: meters high. Yeah, the fifth and third tallest mountains in Japan. That's serious. Like, when we
1: talk about Japanese mountains... You know, we've talked about how a lot of them are just kind of really big hills. Yeah. These are legitimately bonafide mountains. Yes.
0: This is considered the hike if you're going to hike anywhere in the Japanese Alps. The hike is, I mean, not super long. When you're looking at the numbers,
1: it doesn't sound too intimidating. You got 34 kilometers or 21 miles long. It's a lot shorter than the other ones we've talked about so far. takes about three to four days There are huts that you can stay in along the way. So far, sounds not too bad, right? (laughs) Yeah, so far. (laughs) But this is actually one of the most difficult hikes in Japan. Like most of the hikes we've mentioned so far, you're you're going through a lot of woods and stuff. Even in the mountains, there's still trees and, and stuff. But here on these mountains, you're getting so high up that it's really just rocks. Like you're clambering over rocks. It's extremely steep. You're on your hands and feet. A lot
0: of the time. Yeah. Going up like nearly vertical Yeah, you need sections. your arms to climb and balance. When you get near the peaks, there's metal ladders bolted to the rocks that you have to climb up in places. There are
1: a lot of spots on this hike where you're so high up and it's so steep, like you really don't want to look down. If you're afraid of heights, do not do this hike. <laughs> oh, definitely not. Paul, did you read much about the Daikiretto? No. Okay. Let me tell you about this. So, there's a ridge line on this hike called the Daikireto. And it looks horrifying, man. Like, people die here every year. A few people each year die on this I did hear that.
0: Oh, a handful of people die every year. Yeah. So, there's this
1: incredibly narrow ridge. And if you stumble in either direction, left or right, like, you're just going to fall down the mountain, you know? They call it a knife's edge ridge line. The views are supposed to be some of the best in the world, but it also looks like just terrifying. Like you're going to be shaking in fear if you're not an experienced climber. I saw a video of this guy that did it alone. Oh, wow. Which seems like a bad idea. Like Maybe he was super experienced or whatever, but Uh, I wouldn't want to do that alone. I wouldn't want to do any of these hikes alone, honestly. Right. But I think he was French. It sounded like it. Okay, that explains it. I don't know why I felt like I needed to mention that. I don't know that French people are particularly,
0: uh, I don't know. Completely anecdotally, I was playing games on my computer this week, and I had YouTube videos, like, started auto-playing in the background, and it started giving me mountaineering disasters. (laughs) And two of the three videos I watched, one was about a French-Canadian guy, and one was about a French-French guy.
1: Maybe there's something there. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, I got a quote from this guy. So he he had like a GoPro on his helmet, I'm guessing. Okay. And uh, he, here's what he said as he was going up like the steepest you know mountain peaks. He says, Jesus Christ, that was f***ing crazy. Now I'm scared. Oh, f***. <laughs> and like I said, he seemed like a seasoned hiker. And then later in the video, he overlaid some text that said, caution, difficult parts ahead. And I'm just thinking, oh, that other part wasn't like wow. a difficult part.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing videos of this and thinking like, I like climbing. Like, I like climbing. I like it being a little bit dangerous, but I was like, whew, I'd maybe do this. But then I was like, with a pack on? No way. No chance. Yeah. I'd do it without a pack maybe. But carrying uh, all my supplies with me? No. I don't need to risk my life for a hike, I don't think. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I will say, I was trying to think of a way of describing the pictures I saw for this hike and all the words like, beautiful, amazing. I was like, ah, whatever, that's not going to... So I'll say this. When I saw these pictures, I'm used to scrolling through a million pictures a day. I stopped and like stared at it with my mouth open for like 10 seconds like, whoa, you're above the clouds. It was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. I saw the best time to do this hike is actually summer, not spring or fall like the other ones. Because the rest of the year, it's either too much rain, too much snow, or the huts are closed. I saw that July to October is actually the best time to visit. And the high altitude helps with the heat of summer. It doesn't get too crazy hot. Similar to like Mount Fuji. The only time you can even climb Mount Fuji is in those summer months because... It takes a long
0: time for the winter snow to melt.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, like, the temperature changes so much from the bottom of the mountain to the top. Yeah. What's up next, Paul? We're going, like, south from Kyoto, right?
0: Yeah. Next up, we got the Nakahetchi Trail in the Kumano Kodo, which is in Wakayama, which is a peninsula or in a peninsula south of Osaka. Right. So before we get to this specific trail, I wanted to give
1: some general stuff about the Kumano Kodo. That makes sense. You might have heard it called the Kumano Kodo Pilgrimage because because it's a pilgrimage, where where monks hike and stuff. The Key Peninsula is the biggest peninsula on Honshu and it's pretty rural. So like it feels like an old-timey pilgrimage. You're hiking through forests and mountains. It looks really beautiful. If I were to sum up what the Kumano Kodo is, I guess, I would say it's, it's a bunch of temples and shrines nestled in the forest, right? You're going through this beautiful forest and you're just going to come across all these cool little temples and shrines nestled, nestled in the wilderness.
0: I'd say that sums it up well.
1: So the Kumano Kodo, this whole pilgrimage, isn't a single trail. It's actually a network of seven different trails. They've been in use for over a thousand years, and the paths connect these three famous shrines. Kumano Hongu Taisha, Kumano Hayatama Taisha, and Kumano Nachi Taisha. So the length of your hike is going to depend on which section of the Kumano Kodo you want to do. The Nakahechi Trail that Paul mentioned is the most popular trail. Yeah. I also saw it called the Core Trail. It's also known as the Imperial Route because emperors and nobles were known to have
0: walked this route. Eh, we are in that part of Japan. Yeah. The trail begins in Takijiriji, and to get to Hongu Taisha, it's about 40 kilometers. It takes two to three days. But you can keep going from there, hiking a total of about 70 kilometers. Or 44 miles. And seeing more of the shrines.
1: I would want to do the whole thing because it ends if you go all the way, it ends at Nachi Taisha. Have you heard about that? Or have you heard Nachi Falls at all? Yeah. That's uh What do you know about it? Not not much. I've just seen pictures of this place where it's like this amazing waterfall in the background and then this awesome red pagoda in the foreground right oh, next yeah, to it. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: I know what you're talking really about. Really famous picture. Yeah, that that was the picture on one of the websites I remember seeing Mm. now about this hike.
1: I've had my eye on that place for a long time, but I still haven't gotten there because it's like you can't just take a train straight there, you know?
0: Yeah, you got to hike for six days. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Or drive. There's guest houses and camping available. There's an official website for the hike where you can book all that stuff. That's convenient.
1: Yeah. I also saw there's even a luggage shuttle service that can forward your luggage to your next accommodation. It's pretty convenient. That's awesome. Yeah. So I mean this is a popular route. A lot of people do this. So there's like a fair amount of infrastructure there to support you.
0: Yep. Say it's intermediate level. There's there's a few steep up and down hills, but not no crazy climbing like the Alps.
1: Right. One fun thing, just randomly that I came across is there's a test of faith. Oh, really? Yeah. There's this like really narrow tunnel through a boulder. Okay. And they say that if you can climb through the tunnel through the boulder, you'll have an easy childbirth. Okay. Get it? Because it's like you're crawling through a sure, sure through, through well, some lady parts to to be birthed on the other side. In your next life, or like for your baby? Oh, like I guess women that crawl through there will give birth easily to their child in the future in their own life. Like could you do it for your wife?
0: You know? I'm not sure. (laughs) You try.
1: (laughs) That'd be a good selling point on a dating website, you know. I crawled through this tunnel
0: no problem, so if we have a baby, it's gonna go real easy for you. Okay. So I'm guessing you wanna do that before you're pregnant or early in the pregnancy? I think before (laughs) i was just oh, thinking man. about fitting through. I, yeah, I didn't think <laughs> of all these
1: questions, but now I'm wondering, like, is it once you find out you're pregnant, then it's like, okay, you better go crawl through the rock, or is it like as a, as a young woman or something, you crawl through, and then it's yeah, like, all like, right, like, I'm set for life. Whenever I have babies, it's
0: going to go really well. You're about to get married,
1: like, oh, go, go climb through the rock. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, if you're claustrophobic, maybe don't do that. It looks, like, really tight. Like, yeah. Can't make it too
0: easy or it wouldn't be a challenge.
1: Right. I don't consider myself like especially claustrophobic, but I don't think I would enjoy being in such a confined space. Being enclosed in a rock on all sides, that would make me uncomfortable.
0: I'd say that's a healthy level of uncomfortable. I think so too.
1: Uh, As for time of year, spring and fall. Again, temperatures are more moderate. Cherry blossoms, fall colors, of course. There you go. Awesome. Awesome.
0: All right, Jason, I swear we didn't do this on purpose. But the eighth hike we have to talk about is the Shikoku eighty-eight Temple pilgrimage.
1: Why are you why are you looking at me like something special is happening? Is it because there's two pilgrimages in a row? It's the eighth
0: one we're talking about.
1: Oh. Gotta yeah. get it. I, I did get yeah, it? I do get it. And yeah, that was very much not intentional to the point that I didn't even have any idea what Paul was trying to get at right there. <laughs>
0: I guess I'm the only one that cares. <laughs> Anyways, the Shikoku Pilgrimage, also known as the Shikoku 88 Temple Trail, is a famous pilgrimage route Real on famous. the island of Shikoku. Oh, yeah. That uh, runs through 88 different temples. That's a lot of temples. It is.
1: I think I told you, right? When I was in Takamatsu, when I met, I just randomly ran into that girl from Minnesota. Yeah. And I was like asking her what she was doing in Japan, and she was studying there. She was studying, I want to say, somewhere near Tokyo or something. So I was like, Well, what are you doing in Shikoku? Like, I feel like not many people make their way to Shikoku on their first trip to Japan or something, you know? Yeah. And she was like, Well, we just wanted to do the Shikoku pilgrimage. And I was like, That's awesome. <laughs> that sounds so cool. And she's like, Yeah. But then we were like, We didn't realize how big of a deal it was. And we, decided, oh, maybe we'll just, like, visit a few temples. And then we were like, oh, you know what? Let's just go to Takamatsu and then go back to Tokyo. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's quite the hike. It definitely is. So one nice thing about this hike is that it is a loop. Yep. Start and end in the same place. It basically goes all the way around the perimeter of the island of Shikoku. So as a pilgrimage, of course, this path used to be walked only by monks But in the Edo period, normal people started walking it. (laughs) Not to imply that monks aren't normal people or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please don't imply that. (laughs) They have a, you know, a different lifestyle. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normal is maybe not the best word, but you know what I'm saying.
0: Maybe I'm being ignorant here, but perhaps monks have more time on their hands to go take a hike like this. They don't have nine to five jobs. As far as I know. (laughs) I'm sure they have sub-depot responsibilities. But anyways, the trail's about 1,200 kilometers. Around 750 miles. Thanks, Jason. You're welcome. That's about a six to eight-week hike to complete the whole trail.
1: But of course, you can just do a little section of it if you want. And apparently, a lot of people just make it like a life goal to finish the pilgrimage like they'll do a section of it and then come back a few years later to do another section of it don't feel like you have to do it all at once
0: yeah that's really cool and you can get a stamp from each temple along the way and track your progress
1: yeah i have more to say about that but let me first just say like what where kind of the i goes i guess so people usually start at a temple called Ryozenji which is in Naruto on the east edge of the island. And then from there, you can either hike clockwise or counterclockwise around the island. Although if you want to follow them in order, like the way they're numbered, they go clockwise. Okay. Okay, so you mentioned those stamps. If I were to do this, I would definitely want to get those stamps, which are called goshuin. And these aren't specific to the Shikoku pilgrimage either. You can get these at temples all over the country. Basically, you get a little booklet. Like, there are special booklets they make specifically for this purpose. And then when you visit each temple, there's a counter that you can go to. You pay a few hundred yen usually, and then they'll put a special stamp in there. They have some calligraphy that they can add to the stamp. And these are considered sacred, these stamps. They're like commemorative stamps to show, you know, that you were there. And I think it'd be really cool to have a booklet filled up with all 88 of those. Like that's yeah, a would. really meaningful souvenir, you know? I've seen lots of people
0: getting those stamps before.
1: Yeah? Yeah. They look cool. Like the calligraphy, you know, it's, it's art. Yeah. So as for room and board, you can eat local food. You can rest at onsen hotels inns each night did we talk about difficulty yet no i saw it's mostly just an easy walk but there are some steep parts when you're in the mountains like the whole the the trail isn't entirely around the perimeter there are little parts that go inland so you're going to be going uphill a little bit
0: of the way a lot of the temples are on the coast but not all of them it's also traditional to wear a white vest and carry a wooden staff with you on the pilgrimage
1: Yeah, the official tourism website actually recommends that because local people and businesses will recognize that you're doing the pilgrimage and they'll be more inclined to help you out. Like, that's part of the local culture is helping out pilgrims.
0: Yeah, I just imagine, like, walking into town at, like, 6 p.m. and the sun's starting to sad and they're like, see you, like, oh, do you have a place to stay yet? Uh, Have you eaten? Let's, Let's get you something. I wonder how they would react if you
1: wore, like, a black and white get up with like those, those shoes with big buckles on them and kind of a big pointy black hat, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I, I wonder too. Like American pilgrims? Probably That's get, what I was trying to get at there. Probably get some stairs. What, what they told us about in elementary school, the pilgrims that had dinner with the, the yeah.
0: Indians at uh, Thanksgiving. You show up to Rio Con the first night, and you're looking around at the dinner table like, oh, <laughs> Japanese pilgrim. I thought they all looked the same all over the world. Crap. <laughs> I feel so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> now this one sounds super cool. It does. Get yeah. to go around the whole island. Like that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Just gotta be prepared for doing that long distance thing. Keep your feet healthy. Stay hydrated, all that good stuff. Yep. Uh, best time of year for this one is again spring or fall. Spring or fall. Sounds super cool. And if you're wearing that pilgrim vest and stuff, I heard you could even get free accommodations. Oh. Places might just welcome you in. Hey, stay the night. That's awesome. Yeah. So that last hike was on the island of Shikoku, which is one of the main islands of Japan. It's kind of just across the sea there from Hiroshima, around there. Now, if we're going even further south, kind of southwest, That brings us down to Kyushu, another main island. The southernmost main island that's not Okinawa, if you consider that a main island. Is that confusing? Is that a confusing way to say that? a little bit of a confusing way to (laughs) say it, but you're not wrong. Kyushu is down at the southern tip of what you probably think of as Japan. If you've seen maps of Japan, And you forget about those little itty-bitty islands way south, right? Yeah, because Okinawa
0: is going to be in the corner of the map in a box anyways, right? right? Is that a less confusing way of saying that? I don't know. I think we're getting more confused. Look at a
1: map. We're talking about (laughs) Kyushu now. It's south. Look in that general vicinity. You should find it. Okay, this hike, we're talking about the Kunisaki Trek. It's located on the Kunisaki Peninsula, which is this kind of
0: bulbous thing sticking off the northeast side of Kyushu. Mm -hmm. The peninsula has Mount Futago at the center and a bunch of forest and valleys rolling down from its summit. Futago-san has been the historic center of mountain worship in the area for both Shinto and Buddhist beliefs. For centuries. Yeah, going way back. So a bunch of shrines and temples are dotted all around on all sides of the mountain, and they're linked together by this hiking path.
1: Yeah, it sounds really cool. On this hike, you're going to see a lot of Buddha statues. You're going to come across caves where monks would have taken shelter from the elements when they were doing
0: this hike. You might go into that cave to take shelter too. That'd be pretty cool. Taking part in history, right? Try to meditate like a monk until the rain
1: passes. In total, this hike is 134 kilometers or 83 miles. Takes about 10 days. Starts in Kumanu Magaibutsu and ends at Futago Ji, a temple at the summit of Mount Futago. So basically, you're kind of doing like a spiral around the mountain that takes you up to the top. Yep. For accommodations, you're going to want to plan in advance. You can book hotels, ryokan, traditional Japanese inns. Guest houses. And of course, Kyushu is famous for its many onsens, yes. So, gotta get in some of those.
0: Don't leave until you've had a proper onsen after the hike. Absolutely.
1: Since you're climbing a mountain, the difficulty is probably advanced. I saw there's some cliff faces and spots where you could fall. So, this is another one where if you're afraid of heights, probably don't wanna do this. Probably wanna be an experienced hiker for climbing this mountain. They're more of those ridge trails where you're kind of using chains and stuff. Yeah. Those can be scary. Yeah. This one looked more fun to me, though. Like, this one I do. I didn't hear about people dying on this one, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they weren't just like, oh, yeah, some people are going to die, you know? Yeah. Best time of year I saw is March to June or September to November, which sounds suspiciously like, like spring, spring and or fall. Yeah. <laughs> But remember, this is also southern Japan, so it's going to have a little more of a tropical feel than most of Honshu. So you're going to see like some different types of vegetation, I guess. But it's going to be even warmer. Like you really don't want to do this one in the middle of summer, I would think.
0: Yeah, For the last hike we're going to talk about today, we're going all the way south Down to Okinawa itself. Those little bitty-bitty islands way down there that we stumbled around in the last section. Yeah. (laughs) This hike is called the Okinawa North to South Traverse. Basically, you're starting in the north of Okinawa, and you're walking south all the way down the island. It's kind of like a skinny island, so you're walking the whole long way of the island. Yeah, we're
1: talking the island of Okinawa specifically. Okinawa Prefecture includes a bunch of other little islands down there, but the capital, Naha, is on Okinawa Island, which is
0: the one you're hiking on here. Yep. It's an interesting hike in that it's not entirely a scenic hike like a lot of these others have been. In the northern part of the island, it's less developed and more rural, but the further south you get, you get down to Naha and some of the other cities, and you're walking more through city areas and urbanized areas. I mean, I'd say it's still scenic. You're
1: going to get some amazing views. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I obviously, I have not hiked this whole thing, but I did take a bus pretty much along this route when I was staying in Naha. And then I took a day trip up to the north end of the island to visit Churaumi Aquarium. And it looked beautiful. Like, yeah, there are roads, but it's still not super densely populated or well-developed in between there. So I get the sense that this one's kind of I was going to say easier because you're on like pavement, but in a way that can be kind of harder on your joints because it's so hard. But uh, I guess my point is it's slightly more developed in a
0: sense than the other hikes, but you still get great views too. Yeah. You're going to see some really cool stuff, but you'll maybe be walking a little bit more on like a sidewalk of a road. Yeah. But you're
1: going to see great views of the coast and the water. Yeah. And the... I mean, down in Okinawa, the vegetation is totally different. Like it just totally feels—it almost feels like a different country. If you didn't see signs and stuff in Japanese, you would feel like this. This can't be Japan. Like Okinawa has such a different feel, and that's kind of what I really love about it—is that it feels like a little tropical island, but it's also Japan. I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of a cool. yeah. Yeah, it's
0: different. I haven't experienced it, but I want to. Part of what spoke to me about this hike is that you get to see the whole island. Like you get to walk from the north where there's less stuff all the way down through the bigger cities. That seemed really cool to me. Yeah. I don't think we said how long this one is. Nope, don't think so. What
1: do you got? I saw about 110 kilometers or 68 miles. Takes three to four days with seven to eight solid hours of
0: hiking in each day. Okay. That sounds like not that crazy, really. I mean, thinking about 110 kilometers in three days does seem like a lot. Thinking
1: about those numbers does. But when you think, okay, let's say three days, eight hours a day. I mean, you and I did the hike in Nikko. That was like six hours, and that was intense, yeah. going up
0: and down mountains yeah. and
1: stuff. Yep. If we could do a hike that was more flat.
0: Yeah, we could do it. Yeah. I mean, definitely. even just like <laughs> running around in Tokyo or Osaka, you're probably doing 15, 20 kilometers a day anyways, you know? Yeah.
1: And I mean, there are going to be a bunch of vending machines and combini around, so yep. you're always like That'd be nice. stay hydrated with yeah. whatever nice treat you want to grab.
0: Yeah, I'm down for this hike for sure. Yeah, it'd be awesome.
1: Uh, of course, since you're going through a bunch of developed areas, there is enough infrastructure that you're not going to get lost. You're not going to get stranded. There are going to be places for you to stay at night.
0: Um, I get what you're saying, but I could still maybe get lost for a minute or two just have your your wi-fi have a a phone
1: charger have your google maps that's for once i realize i'm lost you're just gonna start walking like in in a general southern direction until you really feel like you have no idea where you are and then you pull out your phone you
0: know i'll look at the map and be like okay this way and eventually i take a right and uh, you know just start going what you got
1: to do is get an Apple Watch, and then it will tap you on the wrist <laughs> and let you know, "Hey, turn this yeah, way." Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I did. I talk about it. I just got an Apple Watch before this last trip Paul and I did to Japan, and I got to say it was really awesome. Yeah, like you, being you, able
0: to. You mentioned it, I think. Okay. But well, yeah, it was kind of cool. Not not ha- like I when I was doing directions, I had my phone out and I was like staring at my screen and you just were walking and your watch was like, ding, ding, oh, we're taking a left Paul. Like yep. that. That was kind of cool. I could
1: pretend I was a local
0: <laughs> blend in a tiny, <laughs> tiny bit. The other problem is I wasn't getting dinged. We'd just be walking down the street and all of a sudden Jason would shoot off laughed and I'd be <laughs> like, oh, wait, wait, where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> so I saw this hike has developed enough that
1: you could book places to stay in advance and just decide, you know, in this day, I'm going to hike this distance or you could just wing it and just see how far you get and then find something nearby. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I actually really like the idea. Like now that I feel a certain level of comfort being in Japan and I kind of know how things work. I really like the idea of doing a trip with just a backpack and a train pass and just go wherever I feel like each day and see where I end up and like find some capsule hotel or something to stay in. That'd be awesome. I do like the idea
0: of it. I, I do... Uh... Like slightly worry that oh, I've walked for eight hours today, and now I'm checking at the fourth hotel that's saying they're full, and I still gotta try to find a place. Like that's true. It but could it'd be stressful. Probably be easier than that.
1: Well, the first one that says they don't have room, you just go, "Tskete kudasai, <laughs> Right. and ask them to call a,
0: another hotel to find room for you. Oh, there you go. And if you get to you know somewhat large hotels, like there's probably a decent chance that like somebody didn't show up or something or canceled last minute.
1: Yeah. You know, the first time I went to Japan, a friend of mine who worked for an airline just grabbed a free ticket and came to Japan and met me in Tokyo. That's cool. Yeah. And he, you know, he planned literally nothing. Like he was just going to stay overnight and we were going to hang out and then he was going to fly back the next day. (laughs) And so he just asked at the front desk where I was staying if they had a room for him. And they were like, well, we got a room. The shower doesn't work, but you can sleep there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What well, was our 10 hikes? We pointedly did not talk about hiking Mount Fuji. That's right. But we did a whole episode on Mount Fuji. Yes, we did. Quite episode a while back. 10, I believe. I think so. Yeah. And we talked about
1: climbing Mount Fuji in that episode. Yep. A lot more details there. If you want to check that out. Well, before we wrap up, maybe we talk a little bit about some safety tips. I got a few basic ones. Of course, some of the stuff is going to depend on which hike you're doing. Some are less intense than others. Some might require less gear than others, but there are some general things that are good to keep in mind if you're hiking anywhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, this sounds dumb, but bring lots of water. Yeah, you know, it sounds so straightforward, but there's times where even I go out and it's like 95 degrees and like I'll look and like one of my friends didn't bring a water bottle and we're planning to be out for hours and it's like, "Uh, you know you might die, right? I forgot to grab a bottle of water for our hike in Nico."
1: That <laughs> oh, was that's dumb.
0: right, that's right. You'd hit up the vending machine, right?
1: Or did you have a coffee no. or something? I had, I had like a green tea latte before we started the hike and then I was going to grab a bottle of water and I totally forgot. And yeah. then we were on the mountain and I'm like, oh, yeah. I only have snacks. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, man. I survived. I was probably a little dehydrated by the end. But yeah, thankfully it wasn't too hot. <sighs> yeah. But it was, yeah, it was hard work. Yeah. Uh, I guess while we're on this subject of packing, there are other things that you might want to pack. Insect repellent. For a lot of these, you're going through a lot of woods and stuff. That would be good to have for your comfort. Sunscreen? Definitely. A battery pack for your phone. You might want to save all, your,
0: all the local emergency numbers in there, too, just in case. You never know. If you're using your phone for a map, you might want to download the maps in case you lose reception. You can still know where you're going.
1: That's smart. As for clothing, of course, it's really going to depend on which hike you're doing, but The general tip is be prepared for different types of weather. Yeah. It can be unpredictable, especially if you're changing in altitude a lot. If you're going up and down mountains, you never know if it's going to be too hot for you, too cold. It's going to
0: rain. Just want to be prepared. No matter how experienced you are at hiking, it's always a good idea to go with a buddy because something could happen and you need help.
1: Yeah. It's scary kind of to think about how quickly you can go from I'm just walking through the woods by myself. This is great. To, oh, I like literally can't move anymore because I broke my ankle and now I could very easily
0: die right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, always let someone know where you're going and when you expect to be back, uh, family or friends, so that if something does go wrong, the alarm bells can go off a lot sooner rather than later. Yeah. And to be able
1: to tell somebody where you're going to be you need to know where you're going to be. So you should plan your route very carefully. You probably want to know how far you need to go each day. You want to know where you're staying, you know, unless some of those hikes we talked about, there are a lot of towns and stuff nearby that you can stop in whenever, but just plan well, I guess, is the tip. Also, good hiking shoes are essential for preventing injuries and not dying. It's end of my tips. Mine too. Well, I hope maybe you were inspired to do a six-month-long hike, or maybe just a couple-day-long hike, or maybe even just a few-hour-long hike. I don't know. I'm just saying
0: there's a bunch of great hiking in Japan. Yeah, if you go and hike one of these and have the most amazing experience of your life, you're welcome. <laughs> if you fall off a mountain and die, we warned you. <laughs> yeah, we warned you. Not our fault. <laughs> And if anyone out there has done any of these, let us know. I would love to hear
1: about somebody's experience on any of these. Yeah, come
0: hit us up in the Discord and share your experience
1: or some photos. Definitely. If you want to join the Discord, which is hopping, got to say, yeah, got a lot of people in there, got a lot of good conversations. You can find the link to that in the show notes or on our website. We also need to give a shout out to our Shogun-level patrons. We have three of them now. Nicholas McKibben, Paula, and Kevin Harris. Thank you all so much. Thank you. If you want to join the Patreon, you can also find that link in the show notes. Paul, what are we talking about next time on the last
0: episode of the season? Oh, my goodness. We're going to be talking about traveling in Japan with kids. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't have any kids. I don't either, but... uh, We got
1: some good sources on this one. We do. We do. We're not just making stuff up. We're not going to tell you how to parent your kids without any personal experience. We're going to use other people's personal experience. So look forward to that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.